0: every week it's my goal to share financial information that helps you both in your life and your financial vineyard we hope that it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life like wine life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged welcome to this edition of wine and dime with amy irvine today we have a special guest on the show. And we're gonna be talking about grit, which is, I think a topic that I've sort of alluded around in the past. And it's um, it's one of the things that I love about our guest today is in uh, the book that is being released, it's called Get Your Grit On, right? That's part of the, the message that is to be given. And I, I think when I read the bio, it's like a secret. I'm not going to tell you who it is. From that. When I read the bio, I loved that she was a notice I, I said she was a passionate entrepreneur as well. And as you all know, I started this company about six years ago because of my passion and it is very lonely sometimes being an entrepreneur extremely lonely and one would think that as you grow the company and start adding people to it that okay that brings some camaraderie which it does but you're still the person running the company and at times it's still very lonely in fact just yesterday i participated in a women's round circle and one of the questions that we were talking about was mental capacity And how women, you know, take on this caregiving relationship and have this, this mental load that they sometimes take on all by themselves, not because they're asked, but just because it's like in our, you know, minds and in our souls. And it's just who we are. And as we talked through that round table, one of the things that actually came up was, does it help to like share the mental capacity, you know, when you add staff or does that actually give you. More clouded mental capacity. I said, Well, it makes you worried because it's not just your livelihood that you're taking on anymore, it's other people's livelihood. So it's just an interesting conversation. And I think you're going to very much enjoy our conversation today. But before we get started, let me introduce, and I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly, Aline. Is that correct? Um, I say Ellen. Oh, you say Ellen. Okay. Yeah. So, um, spelled like Aline, but pronounced like Ellen and Barton is the last name. Is that correct? That is right. Okay. So Ellen, instead of Aline Barton, um, tell us a little bit about your background. And then of course, I'm going to have to get from you, you know, the wine side of the show. What's your favorite wine? Oh well,
1: I I like wine, um, so I don't know. It was hard of, hard for me to think about that question, and to pick a favorite. I like to explore new wines. You know, I love to go into a wine store and let them lead me on an adventure. And uh, so that, that's really what I love to do. But there was a winery that I came across um, not too long ago. It's in California in, in the Russian River Valley called Mary Edwards. It's uh, run – it was founded by a female winemaker, which is a bit unusual
0: in that Very region, unusual. I think in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. And their wine is just amazing. Their story is amazing. Uh, it's a small winery. But I, I I, have to – I guess that's my answer is, is any of their wines. They're delicious. <laughs> and I just love the background of her entrepreneurial spirit isn't in amazing- this industry.
0: Yeah, isn't it amazing how we can um, take a story that we read or learn about somebody's journey and because because of their passion and because of their story that we actually – develop a love for something they've crafted. I I just always think that's so amazing when I explore different wineries myself. I'm always thinking, what's the backstory behind this? And some of the, I think, you know, those that require a little bit more grit, it's like there's a greater passion for what they've produced. And I think it comes through on whether it's wine or whether it's somebody's business, just in general, I, I, I think that that's a, 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 a great reference point right to be able to say um there's such passion in x and there's such grit in x and and how you can just take a story like that and say i really really going to give this a chance and when you do you're like wow i'm so glad (laughs) you gave that an opportunity and you're not too far from us located in binghamton new york that's where you're you're located out of so not too far from our corning office so you got lots of wineries in the upstate new york area i'm sure that you've explored too so i'm i'm like you i have a hard time picking a favorite wine because um there's so many in so many regions last year brent and i traveled with our taste buds because of a, obviously we couldn't travel. So we would go and we would explore every month. we pick like a different region that we were going to explore with our taste buds. And that's the region that we focused on for the month. So it was a lot of fun to explore. And I kept going back to Grenache. I don't know about that. Ah, Wow, that sounds amazing! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, moving on to uh, a little bit about yourself and the book that you you wrote, and the coaching that you do, give us some background. How did you, how did you start on this journey? Um, Well, the true answer, the way I started on that
1: whole journey was completely unintentionally. Like, it wasn't that I had a dream to become a coach or a leader of entrepreneurs. Um, I did have a dream, a long-term dream to write a book, and that has come to fruition. So, I am very happy about that. But um, my first real business, I've had many um, half-hearted businesses in my past, but my first real Grown up business is one that I still run. It's called White Knight Productions. It's a video production company. Uh, we do animations. We do a lot of marketing for our clients. And story, as you mentioned, is huge in the work that we do. We're always looking for a way to weave in the story of the founder or the brand essence or, you know, something authentic that we can convey to the audience and help to attract the right customers, the right clients, you know, um, whatever the goal is of the work that we're doing, it often comes back to a kernel of storytelling and story. And so that that's how I began my journey that's led me to uh, writing the book To leading entrepreneurs. I have a group of entrepreneurs I lead and have been leading for the past four years or so. Uh, We have an online community. We'll talk about that. But you mentioned it's lonely. Yes. You know, so that's why I started that. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm sure I didn't answer your question, but maybe no. it's a place to, to, to springboard off of.
0: Well, one of the things that caught my eye when I was initially reading through the book that you wrote was that you made the comment that you can be different kinds of entrepreneurs. You can be kind of a, a hobby entrepreneur, or you can be a okay, this is serious, like my family depends on it, employees, yeah. other people depend on it, you know, that sort of thing. So there's two different directions that you can kind of hide. And, and sometimes it starts out as the hobby and grows into that, you know, like, oh boy, you know, my family is depending on this. And, and, um, and I think you know, that's when it becomes like this is a real thing. This is something I really need to commit a lot of resources to, both from a mental and a physical capacity arrangement. That just that um, caught my eye when I was reading through some of the material and the the uh, path, um, which I think is chapter three. Is that right? Yeah. So chapter, yeah, chapter three, three when you when you talk about the path, the right place, the right time, um, that struck a chord with me because 2022 being or 2021 excuse me being like this great resignation year i cannot tell you the number of clients that we have met with that are talking about shifting jobs Uh or starting their own company and you know just is this you know their words is this the right place and the right time (laughs) like that was right so it really stood out to me so kind of um you know, as you you said, you didn't set out to do this, like this wasn't your other than the book, you really, you really did set out to to write the book. But what led you down the coaching path? Like, how did you decide this is the right answer for me? And how did you know that it was the right place and the right time for you? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to
1: write a book, I didn't know I wanted to write this book. So I've always loved to write. And ever since I I think I first kind of captured that dream back in fourth grade when my best friend Jenny and I would sit on the phone after school and co-write stories. And we had a dream to you know publish our books, which we never did. But I, ever since then, I've always wanted to publish a book. And it's just been in the back of my mind. This book um, had to be written. This book was one of those books that came about um, because of my own struggles in my own business, we, um, I've been in business for quite some time. Um, we're going on for like 14 years in, um, it's, it's been quite a trajectory of great success, uh, kind of a messy middle mm-hmm. and we're doing well again, mm-hmm. but it was the messy middle part that, um, and because this is my family's income, this is, you know, there's a lot on the line here mm-hmm. um, with my business. It's not only my family, but it's my employees. And, um, you know, it, it. when things aren't going well, it's very uh, disturbing <laughs> and scary. Uh, we went through that time in the messy metal and um, had to restructure, had to rebuild everything. And we can get into that. You know, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, But I wanted to write the book because I wanted to help other people who were struggling with something similar or Mm -hmm. who were trying to build something and running into roadblocks or weren't or maybe were scared to start building something because of all the reasons that begin to get in your way when you think about doing something brave, you know, doing something scary, doing something different. So, that's why I wrote wrote the book. And that's, it's also kind of tied into how I started working with entrepreneurs and coaching in my own journey, going through that rough time, I started to realize I didn't have the right community around me. I had, I am lucky to have a supportive family, um, You know, I have friends, but nobody really understood. Like my family understood things weren't good, but nobody really understood the pressure of being the business owner and having everything on my shoulders. By the same token, when things are going amazing and you've just had like huge successes and worked so hard to land a big client and you did it, you know, your friends and family that aren't in business they can, they, uh, they, you know, they're happy for you, but they don't understand it at the same level as a fellow business owner will get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was craving that community. So I started to create that with other entrepreneurs that's been building for four years. And, uh, we have an online community now we meet every Friday, we bring in speakers. It's really, really cool. It's called the boardroom. And, um, if if any of your listeners are an entrepreneur and they're interested in joining them, I'm sure we can give information mm-hmm. at the end or in the show notes. Yeah. Um that it's a really cool community. But it it's through that work that led me to take the leap into coaching. For a long time I resisted the idea that um, I was a coach or I could be a coach. Everybody thought I was a coach for long before <laughs> I ever owned it. They, they would assume that that's what I was doing. And I'd be like, Oh, no, no, I'm not a coach. Uh, but finally, I just surrendered. And, and I was like, Okay, I, I Yes, this is how I can serve. You know, I have all this knowledge. I have all this experience. I have all these great connections. And I do have a lot to give. And I, I would love to do that mm-hmm. with my clients.
0: One of my favorite quotes in your book in that particular chapter that I mentioned was having faith through the tough times will make you happier. But true success only comes when you master the ability to keep moving forward. And the reason I particularly love that is like I'm going to share that with my team because we are constantly changing, improving things. Right. We um, we are always looking to uh, make make services better to clients, improve processes. You know, there's no getting bored. Um, There's on our team. Anyways, there's no getting bored. And I loved that that phrase. I'm like, yeah, that's why I do it. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't think I'd actually, I, I mean, for me and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, our definition of success probably ebbs and flows. Right. I mean, it's, we have moments of, of success and then we're like, at least I'm not great at celebrating those moments of success. Like, okay, it happens. Great. That's wonderful. I'll have a glass of wine and then I get up the next morning. I'm like, what next? You know, I don't... (laughs) take a moment to to actually relish in what that success actually was. Um, and we're trying to make, you know, trying to do that better as a team, but we've got a whole team full of women that act kind of the same way. So we're always thinking, what can we improve next? What can we do better next? And not pausing sometimes to take uh, take a breath.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty typical of people that start businesses or are leaders, in especially small businesses where we're all doing so many things all the time and you've got these very driven people who are always in action and looking for what's next and that's and i'm like that too like i have to make myself slow down and um really appreciate how far we've come acknowledge the successes um and and share with my team you know sometimes we're moving so fast we're, uh especially right now, in as we go into Q4, we are super, super busy uh, with White Knight, especially. And um, it's like we have these meetings, these team meetings, and it's, it's just so tempting to be like, okay, let's talk about the projects. Okay, who's going to do what? We're here. You know, this is our plan. And uh, yet, so beneficial to take a step back and check in with everybody on a different level acknowledge the successes, acknowledge where we're going, Um, you know, that pays off in huge dividends in the long run. Mm -hmm. When you're able to do that, you have to keep in mind how valuable that team is. And I remind myself of it all the time. And it's easy to do now in the news. And you see everywhere how hard it is for people to get good people to work with them. So I'm just... um, Trying personally, I'm trying to do everything I can to keep my team motivated and happy <laughs> and happy, engaged yeah. and and and
0: celebrating the successes I think is part of it. Yeah, yeah. You also talk about two big F words in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they're little words, but they're big. Mm -hmm. Um, Fear and failure. Those are the Mm -hmm. words, those are the dream killers. You know, those are the words that stop people more than any other words from going after that which they most desire. Mm -hmm. You know, you can talk yourself right out of it if you buy into fear and fear of failure. You know, it is. it's natural. It's a way we protect ourselves. It's a way a lot of times, also in the book, I talk about building your tribe and getting your people around you. So a lot of times our families and our friends, they can be, um, you know, great supporters. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a a strong and supportive network, Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Yet, um, those people also sometimes they care about us so much that they want to protect us from possible failure mm-hmm. and that can be detrimental to a lot you know to moving forward if you start to let them have too much control over you you're if you're feeling really driven to do something you're really inspired to do something then what i'm proposing in the book is perhaps you should trust yourself enough to listen to that inner voice, take a step towards your dream, whether it's expanding something in your business or even doing something that fulfills you. Like, um, so often these days people are so busy and, uh, don't listen to that inner voice that might be telling them, Oh, um, wouldn't you love to do something creative? You know, wouldn't you love to take a painting? Wouldn't you love to try writing uh, or, or um, would you, wouldn't you love to try horseback riding or working with children or, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a business, but so often we're, we're inspired and drawn to do these things or explore these, these um, parts of ourselves. And we just ignore it because we're busy and, and, it's easy to talk yourself out of even trying something that you might not be amazing at. Um, I'm proposing that maybe it's time to stop ignoring that voice.
0: <laughs> I call it get out, get out of your own way. Is what yes. I've And um, I, I will say that when I was making the decision, I have been in this profession for a very long time, but when I was making the decision to go independent, I was very fearful of failure extremely fearful of failure. And I had a good friend of mine, you know, that was talking to me about it and I was sharing my concerns and she said, but Amy, what if you succeed? Mm. And I said, well, you know, if I succeed and I gave her all this stuff and she said, well, so what if you do fail? And I said, well, I'd have to go get another job and I'd be so embarrassed. And she said, that's the worst thing that's going right. to happen. Like you have to go get a job somewhere because she said, I don't know. You know, it, it was, she, she's, she really gave me a lot to think about because she said, I saw the passion in your face. Like when you started talking about how you would envision your success and then like what you would have to do if you did have to go back to work for a company and not build your own company. And she said, it's like watching night and day. Like one is, uh, the depressed, depressed, you know, like, feeling depressed and, and, and overworked. And the other is, um, yeah, sounds like you'll be overworked, but it's at least you get to reap the rewards and do it the way that you want. And so, you know, her words to me were very meaningful. And, and I've often thought about those anytime that I thought about doing something new with the practice, you know, like, well, what if we succeed? What will it look like, you know, and, and and getting out of my own way, getting out of my own head, and looking at it from a different perspective, or sometimes asking somebody else to help me do that, you know, that's, that's very helpful sometimes to, to just um, pull it out of me a little bit and say, well, you know, this is, this is your perceived failure. It's not an actual failure. And sometimes failures can be huge successes in other ways. Like it's, it's a failure in a respect, but it's, it taught you so much that the next step that you created because of it was an enormous success. So just remembering that I that's why I wanted to point out the two words that you had it, again resonated with me having gone through that myself um you know fe- feeling very afraid to to take those steps and now you know 6 years later looking back at it and going man, I should have done that years ago <laughs> you know even before right so so tell us a little bit about white night
1: yeah. Um, so, White Knight, as I said, we're a video production animation studio um, and visual, visual marketing company. We are based in upstate New York, but we work with clients all over the country. Um, corporate clients, um, mainly business clients, although we do work with some higher educational institutions and nonprofits. And um, we we just we love to help our clients amplify their brand. And get results. Um, although we make our primary um, core offering is video production and animation, we do remote video. Um, although that is at our core, what the whole company started out doing, we have expanded beyond that. But that you know, that's still our essence. Even though that is true, I always tell people that the video isn't the end game. It's, it's just part of the equation. You know, it's a tool to get you what you desire results wise. Mm-hmm. It isn't enough to just have a video, you have to have a strategy, mm-hmm. you have to have other things in place. In order to really get your results and those other things it depends what your goals are you know it Mm -hmm. depends who your audience is and it you know all kinds of things get wrapped up in that but we take that approach with our clients um first looking at their goals the strategy how we're going to measure results etc and then we form a full package so i I am trying to get away from saying we're a video production company because my clients tell me all the time, oh, no, you're so much more than that. (laughs) And so I'm just trying to find a way to explain who we are. Uh, We do offer full marketing services through some amazing strategic partners that we bring in. So, um, perhaps as I resisted saying that I was a coach, perhaps (laughs) I need to just embrace that we are a full marketing agency. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: so the the book that you wrote and the company that you run, the the two do go hand in hand very much, right? I mean, tell us a little bit where that connection is for folks to, you know, to draw the dots.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So white Knight is my core company and we're all about, um, growing Our Clients' Businesses. And the book is related to my my boardroom community that I mentioned, my Ready, Set, Grit brand mm-hmm. that um, is all about helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And from time to time, there's crossover. Like, yes, we, we have entrepreneurs in the boardroom group that White Knight has done video work for. Um, there's also people, People in the boardroom that we've hired to help us with um, branding or you know, certain things that we've needed. Although we offer we we have a fantastic designer on my team, we've had to hire people to help us with our branding, not so much for design, but just to get to the core of our own story, which is crazy. But we find that when you're t- when you're so close to it, especially in a small company and it like you live it and breathe it yeah. every single day. You're you're too close to see the yeah. big picture sometimes, especially yes. with the brand story.
0: Yeah, um, I think I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think yeah. it's very hard. Like when people sometimes ask about our company, it's it's so ingrained in my mind that I have a hard time explaining it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can say, you know, our goal is to help women feel empowered about money. That is our end goal, but what does it actually mean? Right. You know, how does that actually translate? Like what's the, what are the dots between what I just said and what their, what their need is, right. What they, right. What they feel they they need. Um, and I know, you know, when we're talking to, um, when you're talking about ready, set, grip, one of the things that, and the reason I asked for that connection is because, um, I was curious to know, you know, what, what it looks like, um, when you're working with, if there's a difference, women entrepreneurs, and male entrepreneurs? If there's a difference between that that grit?
1: Hmm. That's a question I haven't been asked before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if you can define it with gender. I, I don't know. I think that there is a difference, but I don't know if I'm gonna be able to articulate it yeah. right now. I, I think that's a really interesting question
0: I, I mean, I think a lot of women started as a hobby because they don't want to give up the job. You know, like there's that risk, that yeah. fear factor, you know, like yeah. I, I don't want, I, I need this. I need to make sure that there is uh, this income coming in and that I have security. And then it might turn into, you know, more of a business where men, in my experience, tend to go at it like, Hey, I'm going to go start this business. Like, and I'm going to be 100% doing this. And you know they. i not saying they don't plan for it. I'm just saying that they're just more like, okay, I'm gonna go do this. There, there is fear. I have lots of male colleagues that you know. Once I really get to know them, they talk about the same fears that I have. They just were able to push through them a little quicker, <laughs> yeah. you know, than than I was. And many of my female um, colleagues in the professional have, you know, been been able to do as well. So I was just curious in your coaching or in your business, if you've noticed that that's a a true statement again, because we have a lot of women this year that are really seriously thinking about doing their own thing or changing jobs. And, and I think one thing COVID did for a lot of people is showed them that, um, they can get good work done working from home and they can have a life work balance. And I specifically put life first before work yeah and now that people are having to go back into the office it's becoming more of a work life balance yeah and they got a taste and so what are my options are kind of on the table right now
1: yeah i think it's a really interesting time in that way um i mean i'm still pondering this gender question i and i don't know the answer to it i i feel like once people tap into that like survivor instinct mm-hmm. that they're going to make this business survive and thrive, no matter what it takes, then they're going to find a way to do that, whether they're male or female, you know Um maybe, maybe what you're talking maybe some of the women have a spouse that supports them or something. Mm-hmm. So they have less of that drive. Um I don't know if that's what you're getting to, but
0: no, I, I mean, I think it's just, it's, you know, it's always something I'm intrigued in because of the clients that we work with. So it's, yeah. it, I'm always thinking like, is it just our profession or just our clients, or is it more of a, a global, um, a, a global approach to what's going on out there? I mean, let's face it. We know that Um, small businesses are the fastest growing businesses. And we know that a lot of women are starting to take over and create small businesses more and more and more and more, but they still have trouble with funding when they get to the part where they're, they're looking for some kind of capitalization or funding. I mean, that's statistically true. And, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of facts that support that sort of thing. So, you know, it's just, it's like, what else is out there that we have a chance to talk about and, and you know, the more things are discussed and the more things are brought to the surface, the more likely things are going to change. Right. So thinking about the differences in gender, um, you know, and, and talking about that as a general rule, then I think you don't feel as, as a woman. Yeah. You, you don't feel like, well, I'm, I feel this way. Oh no. Like, actually we all feel this way, no matter what the gender is, we actually all in most cases are are very afraid, it just might look differently. Right. Yeah. And so go ahead.
1: Oh, I was <clears throat> I was just gonna say with the access to the capital issue. Um, you know, same with minorities. They mm-hmm. statistically have a harder time getting access to capital too. And that's, you know, I can attest to that just from the people I've worked with and I know. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is a serious problem and we have we saw it with the PPP people, yeah. minorities had a harder time accessing it and such. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is, you know, yes, maybe we have a harder path in some ways but we can all get there. You know, it's just, it's going to look different. Maybe if we have to fund a different way or grow bootstrap a different way, or like, however we're going to do it, you can still get to those goals, even if your path looks different.
0: And that is why they should buy your book because there's three (laughs) steps to success in life, business and the pursuit of happiness. Ready, set, grit. Uh, It's out on Amazon, correct? And the, um, I think the main, was it that guy house, that guy's house. That guy's house is the publisher. Yeah. 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 We
1: have a distributor so you can get it like pretty much anywhere. I was shocked when I, this is my first book. So I Googled the title and my name and I was like, wow, you can get it at Target and everywhere. (laughs) So that's kind of cool. But yeah, you can order it online from pretty much anywhere.
0: And check your local bookstores, of course, because we always want to, you know, always want to recommend them first to see if there's something that they're carrying on the shelf. But if not, they can order it either through the distributor or online or go to Target and pick it up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, Thinking about, I always like to end the podcast with two questions. One is a very personal question. If you don't want to answer, you don't want to, but what is your definition of success? Hmm. I think my
1: definition of success is always tied very closely into freedom um, when I think about it. So it's um, being able to live life on my terms, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, um, and I like working, you know, I I don't need to retire. I don't, you know, that's not really my Vision of success is not working or not doing anything. Mm -hmm. But I also don't really like to be tied to other people's rules. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I um, like with my companies, we serve our clients. We take that very seriously. I really like all of our clients, we're fortunate. To work with people that we really admire and like and enjoy working with Mm -hmm. we've manifested that of course you know we've created that but um you know it it doesn't feel it it doesn't feel like a burden to be at work doing what we love doing um -hmm. and i like that i uh i'm not a great employee I like to to do it on my own terms. We serve our clients and there is, you know, you can't totally set all your own hours and everything, but you can choose Mm -hmm. to show up for those meetings. And of course we do, you know, Mm -hmm. but. um, Yeah. Other than
0: the regulators who I try to follow very closely, you know, for, mm -hmm. for rules purposes, it's the, the idea that my clients are my boss. And having that flexibility instead of having to go by a corporate culture that rules me yeah. is a very, yeah, it's a very big deal. I'm unemployable, I think, at this point in time. I think I am, too. <laughs> I, I really do. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the final question I actually ask everyone, and it's sort of what I call my nourish your roots section of the podcast. This is where we just take a few minutes to ask our guests to provide the number one or two or three financial lessons they've learned in their lives, um, sort of the dime side of the podcast and the journey that you've been on, especially as an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So I have decided to write another, I'm going to write two more books under the Ready, Set, Grit um, Mm -hmm. brand. And the next one is going to be about money because I'm just so fascinated with all the issues people have around money and the blocks they put in their own way around money and all that nonsense. Um, So I have a lot of these, but I think what I would probably say is um, one of my biggest lessons as an entrepreneur was simply to look at my numbers and understand my numbers and know my numbers and not be afraid of them. When I started, when I started this business, I didn't have any business background And, um, we grew quickly. We, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing, but we grew quickly. And, um, and then I just started, you know, I spent money. I was like, "Oh, I'll offer health insurance and I'll do this and I'll do that, which is cool, but it didn't have any financial basis. (laughs) So we eventually did run into trouble. And, um, and I kind of knew at that point, that I didn't know what I was doing. And it was hard for me to even look at the numbers. Like I was just like, oh, I just don't even want to know. Yeah. That's a terrible way to run a business. <laughs> so I do not recommend that. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, people are weird about numbers. You know, people don't like to look at numbers on the scale mm-hmm. or in the bank account sometimes. And I I guess that's my biggest advice is just get to peace with the numbers. They, the numbers, they don't have anything to do with you as a a value of, of you as a human being, but you have to look at them and understand them.
0: Right. And you even have a section in your book about money. There's yes. there's a section uh, in this first book about money. So I can't wait to hear what you write in your second book about money. That's going to be yeah. very interesting. We'd love to have you back on when you finish that book to, um, to yeah. talk a little Thank bit you. about that journey, because certainly, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, You know we're all about finance and 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 this company and this podcast so in people's journeys around it right so when i talk about people walking through their financial vineyard um there there's all sorts of influences that happen in our lives and in our vineyard and however we define our vineyard um you know that's not because necessarily i mean money certainly can help but our vineyard itself is not defined by that. Right. It's defined by those influences. So we thank you so much for taking time. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners that we haven't talked about or anything that we can put in the show notes for them to reference? Um, I
1: mean, I think we covered a lot. I I guess I would say um, if there are entrepreneurs that would be interested in my boardroom community, we Mm -hmm. can put that link in the show notes. It's the VIP. Um, but um, other than that you know links to the website and um, my email if anybody has questions that would be fantastic
0: and are you taking new clients right now I am yes okay great well we'll make sure to put that information in the show notes and if anybody wants to reach out they'll have your information thank you so much for being part of the show today and for sharing your journey
1: oh thank you for the opportunity it was great talking to you